From APM, American Public Media, this is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. The federal government wants to collect data on America's children, and that has some parents more than a little nervous. As part of the federal Race to the Top initiative, the Obama administration encouraged states to set up longitudinal databases to track the details of a child's education from birth through college. The idea is that by collecting lots of information, it will help inform research and improve the public school systems over time. But in light of recent news about the NSA's bulk collecting of private email and phone communications and data breaches at several big corporations, parents' groups are speaking out, saying they want to protect the privacy of their children. Stephanie Simon is a senior education writer for Politico Pro, who has been covering this story. She joins us from her home outside Boston. Stephanie, welcome. Thanks, Stephen. Glad to be here. So explain the the databases to begin with that the federal government encourages the states to set up. What kind of information uh, are they suggesting should be collected? Well, virtually every state now has one of these longitudinal databases. And as you said, the idea is to track kids from preschool or even earlier in some cases, even um, birth or toddlerhood, if they are enrolled in certain state programs all the way through their K-12 years, you know, through high school, if they go to college, if they join the military, when they enter the workforce. And the idea is to collect just as much information about them as possible to try to answer big-picture questions that might help improve public schools. So, for example, um, when kids are in preschool, they usually are evaluated by their teachers on things like their fine motor skills, their ability to make friends, their ease of transitioning from one activity to another, all that kind of thing that preschool teachers look for. And so if you put that in a database and then you later can track the kids through, you know, do they read at the appropriate grade level in third grade? Are they um, getting suspended for bullying other kids in junior high and so on and so forth? You might be able to draw connections and say, gosh, you know, the kids who had a lot of trouble when they were three making friends turned out to also have trouble with disciplinary issues when they were in middle school. So perhaps there's an intervention we can do when they're younger that'll help ease their path and make their way through school, you know, easier when they're older. So the idea is to be able to look across longitudinal, across decades, and say, these are the patterns that we really need to pay attention to in order to improve the outlook for these kids and for our schools. Now, because there are 50 different states and 50 different state departments of education, Uh, Is it the case that the databases that are being kept now sort of don't match up with each other? Well, the Education Department is trying very hard to get them to match up. Now, it's not a national database, so each state maintains their own information. But the Education Department really wants everyone to use a standardized system uh, insofar as possible for coding the type of information that's put into the databases, because that way when a kid moves from school to school, you know, across state lines, or um, if a child goes to college in another state or takes a job in another state, you'll be able to match up the records more easily. There are walls dividing each state database, but the Department of Education has put together a list of literally thousands and thousands of elements that they would like states to collect. They can't compel any state to do it, but they would like states to collect all of this, and um, they have it arranged uh, by by kind of code so that states could all use the same basic vocabulary for first collecting and storing that information. And are states in general going along with the idea? They are. Almost every state um, is developing this kind of a database. Hmm. So what do the opponents say is wrong with it? Well, uh, so parents don't mind if um, their local 
school district or their local school has information on their kid. I mean, you want your principal to know if your um, child is allergic to peanuts. You know, that's a potentially life-threatening situation, and you want the teacher and the principal to know that. You want, you might even want them to know if your child um, has depression or an anxiety disorder or if, uh, you know, the family is going through a divorce and that might affect the child emotionally. But it's a different thing to tell this information to the teacher or have it recorded at the school level and having it stored in a database that the state maintains, that might exist in perpetuity. And that's really what parents are concerned about. They're worried that this very intimate personal information about their kids' academic performance, social performance, disciplinary records, medical records in many cases, will become part of this giant, you know, amorphous state database with no end in sight. You know, in many states it's unclear how long they'll retain the data, um, who exactly will have access to it, what type of data other outsiders will have access to. And so it just sort of, you know, worries parents to have all of this out there. They, they fear that their kids could be um, profiled um, either for commercial purposes, you know, to sell them things if a for-profit company got hold of the data, but more likely they worry that, um, for example, state colleges might kind of comb through that and make admissions decisions based on red flags that the data might raise about a kid's performance or aptitude or attitude, um, or that potential employers might have a look at it and, and profile job applicants based on that. And uh, they just don't like that idea. Now, of course, people's uh, medical files are increasingly being digitized and being stored in places, and those files are used for various kinds of research. And there are protections, uh, federal and often state protections, for people's private data. Do the laws cover this educational data? Are the protections in place? Well, protections are in place, but they are um, there's big loopholes. So uh, anything that's an official a student's official educational record is protected by a law called FERPA, which dates from the 1970s. And um, the school district is only supposed to share it with certain other uh, groups. Of course, one of those groups is the state, another of those is the federal government, and even for-profit companies can be counted as a, as a legitimate entity to share information with if um, they're performing some sort of a service for the school district that has an educational purpose. So um, while there is federal protection in place, the loopholes are very large, and this information can be shared freely. And, um, of course, parents also worry then, you know, that there could be um, data breaches or just an unintentional, you know, a worker leaving a thumb drive around somewhere or leaving the computer logged in and and allowing some type of uh, data breach like we saw happen with Target and, and so many other corporations recently. Is a child's name connected to the rest of the data in a given data set, in a given file? Well, it is at some level, and that's um, another thing that states are still trying to work out. So the uh, original data set that the Department of Education maintains has the student's name, address, parent's name, uh, phone number. Uh, some, in some cases, it has social security number, although that's becoming uh, more rare. Um, but, but all this basic demographic information about the student is included. Now, when they go to merge it with workplace information or with um, college performance information, uh, they'll often strip out the name and just use a unique identifier. So instead of John Smith, it's, you know, number 12479 or whatever the case may be. Um, but to people who are concerned about this, the, you know, the issue is, first of all, how they're not convinced that that um, anonymization really will, will work sufficiently. And also the original 
there's somewhere, there's a cross file that connects John Smith to that number because that's how they got that number in the first place. And so parents are concerned that the um, levels of protection and anonymization are not sufficient. Is there a political complexion to the opposition to the to the parents groups that have formed to try and um, sort of beat back this attempt at collecting education data? Well, what's really interesting is that this crosses the political spectrum. So you have a lot of um, liberal activists who are very concerned about in, intrusion on privacy and the potential civil rights aspect of profiling students based on data in their personal profiles. And then you have very conservative parents and Tea Party activists who are outraged at this because they feel it's an example of government overreach and, you know, Big Brother intruding on our personal lives. So it really crosses the, the spectrum, and they've been able to build a pretty powerful coalition. And in just the past few months, they've gotten bills passed in 15 states that help protect student privacy. And none of them is perfect. None of them um, it covers all the different potential um, worries about student, student data and student privacy, but they are all beginning to chip away at it. And that's, you know, that's pretty remarkable to get 15 bills passed in just a couple months. Uh, you know, in, in red states and blue states, big states and small states, it kind of runs the gamut. Would it be feasible for families to just opt out of the data collection? Would there be a way to kind of create a a group of those who are willing and those who aren't? Well, that's um, what a lot of parents would like, but that creates huge bookkeeping problems and also greatly undermines the purpose of the databases. So if you're trying to really get a cross-section of, um, of all students and be able to track patterns across uh, large groups, you can't have certain people opting out. I mean, it would be, um, you know, selection bias for sure if, if only those parents that were educated enough to know about an opt-out option and to exercise it and to make sure that the state uh, actually took their child's data out. You know, if only those people opted out, then you would be left with a very different pool of students um, to do the kind of research that I mentioned earlier. Now, do you have school-age children? I do. I have three of them. And has reporting on this changed the way you think about their privacy? Well, it has. It's definitely made me more aware. I mean, one of the things that all parents get at the beginning of the year, um, usually from your school district, is a form called a directory uh, opt-out form. And and one of the loopholes that I mentioned in this law called FERPA is that um, schools are allowed to very freely give out what's called directory information. So it's your name, address, uh, your weight and height if you're a member of an athletic team, your um, phone number, your, any awards or honors that you've won, so the type of thing that would go, you know, at the top of a resume of a student. And they're allowed to distribute this very, very freely, really, without restriction to for-profit companies and others. So every time I pre- previously have gotten this form, I thought it meant directory, like, would I mind if my kid's name and phone number was included in the class directory? And I, I always checked off, sure, you know, go, go ahead and include it. I want them to be able to get their, their play dates and reach out, reach out and connect with friends. But now I'm going to be more aware, I think, and ask the school uh, how they plan to distribute this information, who is on the list to receive it, and just, just try to be a little bit more knowledgeable before I sign off on the forms that come home. Stephanie Simon is a senior education writer for Politico Pro. Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. You can find a link to her article, Big Brother, Meet the Parents, on our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. And while you're there, you can find more podcasts about education reform and a range of issues in K-12 and higher education. That's AmericanRadioWorks.org. You can also browse the archive of more than 100 documentary projects and let us know what you think of our coverage. We are on Facebook at American.RadioWorks, and we're also on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, the Spencer Foundation, and Lumina Foundation. 
I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.